Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Balanced Blonde Podcast, Soul on Fire. I get so excited when you guys tell me on Instagram and email and Facebook and the blog and all these places about how you get excited for Wednesdays because Wednesdays are the day that my podcast comes out every week. And I can't tell you how much that means to me and how kind that is that you guys are listening and that you care and that you get as excited as I do because I can certainly assure you that I get incredibly excited every week to release this episode. You can ask my podcast producers. I'm constantly sending them messages and texts asking if everything's all set to go live and what they need. And then I start to promote and really just hearing back from you guys sometimes before I even wake up in the morning because this podcast releases, I believe it's 6 a.m. East Coast time. Of course, I'm not awake at that time. It's three in the morning here in Los Angeles, unless I've had like a really late night or something, which definitely happens from time to time. So sometimes I get to wake up and hear from some of you who have already listened to the podcast episode for the week. And I just think that that's really cool. So I wanted to thank you. If you're one of those people who's listening really early on the East Coast right now, you'll have to shoot me a message, direct message on Instagram or just somewhere to tell me that you're listening and that you're some of the first. Because honestly, I couldn't have even imagined that a couple of months ago when I started this podcast that I would have such dedicated, awesome listeners already and that you guys would be so supportive and loyal and to share your feedback with me each week. Constructive, all of it. I'm so appreciative all of the time. So I just had to throw that out there. You guys are the best, the TBB tribe. And I will definitely keep doing a lot of giveaways to thank you and all that good stuff. So let's dive into talking a little bit about who our guest is going to be today. Her name's Mary Beth LaRue. She's an incredible yoga teacher here in Los Angeles. But she's not just a yoga teacher. She's also kind of just this multifaceted entrepreneur galore. Well, I didn't mean to rhyme there, I promise. But she actually is. She's really founded a multifaceted career based off of yoga. So she does soul coaching. She does business coaching with her best friend, which we're going to talk all about in this episode. It's called Rock Your Bliss. 
It's a seven-week program to basically develop a life based off of something that you absolutely love, uh, which is what this Soul on Fire podcast is all about. So I'm actually enrolled in Mary Beth's Rock Your Bliss program this month or this seven-week go-round. And I'm so grateful that she gifted me this opportunity because I'm definitely going to be tuning in on the calls. And a lot of people... A lot of you guys actually ask me for, um, you know, different programs or business coaching types of classes that you can take because I've, I mean, I think it's pretty apparent. I've shared this a lot. I didn't go to school for business. I went to school for everything creative. I was a English major, creative writing, theater minor, although I didn't finish my theater minor. So don't contact Loyola Marymount about that and ask them if I was a theater minor because they would say, no, she didn't finish her requirements. But... I was a creative writing major with, you know, my master's in creative writing and all of that good stuff. So I didn't go to school for business. So when really cool people in my wellness spiritual community that I absolutely love and look up to these people so much, when they offer business courses that are rooted in spirituality, I can really get behind that. So I love what Mary Beth is doing. I had to have her on the podcast, not really just to talk about business and how she created a life as a yoga teacher, but more to talk about all of the very awesome, different, amazing things about her as a human, because I love to learn about people as humans and share that with you guys. So we talked all about our philosophies on alcohol. We both have kind of an interesting perspective, I would say, um, on that front, given that it's 2017 and most young people drink quite a bit socially. And her and I have both taken pretty different paths with that. So I'm excited for you guys to hear what she has to say about alcohol. We talk about Silver Lake. She moved to Silver Lake about a year ago or maybe not that long ago from Venice here in Los Angeles. So if you're familiar with the whole West Side versus East Side lifestyle here in LA, she gives some really good perspective on this beautiful, magical part of town that I don't have a ton of experience with. So I loved hearing about Silver Lake. We talk about being extroverted introverts and how we both get extremely nervous to speak in crowds or even sometimes one-on-one. So we talk about some tips for that. She has really, really, really good tips. I'm going to start implementing them into my life. And basically, we just have this awesome friendship love affair because we just met recently. And I feel like she's one of those people who has been destined to be in my life for kind of a long time. We have a lot of mutual friends. We have a really similar path. We... um we just both felt like we've known each other for much longer because we've followed each other on social media. And you guys know how that goes. Once you follow somebody on Instagram pretty closely for a while, you can kind of tell whether or not you're going to really get along, especially now with Instagram stories where you can really see someone's personality. So I'm stoked that we're real life friends now and that we get to share one of our first sit down hangout sessions with you guys. It was all recorded. So... We'll go ahead and dive into the episode. I also just wanted to remind you guys that there is a Soul on Fire Facebook group. So if you're wanting to have more of this Soul on Fire vibiness in your life, you can join the Facebook group. It's called... I believe it's just called Soul on Fire Tribe. I can probably just check while I'm sitting here. So if you search Soul on Fire Tribe in the Facebook search bar... 
and request to join this group. It's a private group. I will accept you and you can join. We've been um, we've been having some really cool success with it where people have been meeting up in cities that are not on the West Coast and also on the West Coast and becoming friends with each other. So I just find that so exciting and so cool. So yeah, it's definitely called the Soul on Fire Tribe. I just double checked. So... Come hang with us. Oh, it's called the Soul on Fire Podcast Tribe. Come hang with us on Facebook. And please enjoy this episode with Mary Beth LaRue. Okay, guys. I'm here with today's guest, Mary Beth LaRue. She's an amazing yoga teacher here in Los Angeles. She also co-founded a yoga and coaching business called Rock Your Bliss with her best friend, Jackie Carr. And she's an all-around really cool person. So we've kind of been in the same circles for a long time. I always hear about her. Um, I came across her on the cover of Yoga Journal like probably a hundred times when that issue was out and I thought it was just so pretty and so cool. And I've always wanted to connect deeper with her, learn more about her. Every time we do connect on social media, it's usually one of us saying, oh my God, me too, to something because we have a lot of similarities. So we're going to dig into that while she's here. And I'll go ahead and let her say hi to you guys and introduce herself before I ask her some questions. All right. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jordan. Um, I am Mary Beth, and I am actually originally from a little town in Iowa. And I moved to Los Angeles about eight years ago. And as she said, um, co-founded the company Rock Your Bliss about four years ago with Jackie Carr. And it has just become an amazing journey of collaboration and self-development and play for the last few years. And I'm excited what we're going to dig into. I always love seeing what you're doing from afar. So it's good to connect in person. Yes, so good. And I think it's so telling that she and I ran into each other like less than a week ago at Erewhon of all places. For people who don't live in LA, Erewhon is um, a grocery store, but not just a normal grocery store. It's it's a f- health food person's heaven. It's so much fun. There's a tonic bar. There's bulletproof coffee. I was carrying this huge <laughs> box of bacon. <laughs> and at first I was thinking, okay, she's a yoga teacher. She might be vegan. She might... I'm going to like hide this behind my back. And then she saw it and said, oh my God, bacon. I love bacon too. And I was just so pleased that I wasn't being super offensive to her. So uh, yeah, so it is really telling. I always have these like small world connections where I'll like run into somebody at just such a fortuitous time. So I think that that was cool because she lives in Silver Lake. I live in Brentwood. We, We wouldn't often be at the same grocery store, but we were. So it was really cool. So I just have a couple fun questions. This is actually kind of new. I, I haven't like led in with just like these fun out of the box questions before, but I think they're cool. Other podcasts do it. So I'm trying it out. So what color best represents your energy if you had to choose a color? Hmm, I would say blue. I definitely just feel... Like I try to cultivate sense of spaciousness and I feel that like I love the blue sky, which I'm looking out of your gorgeous windows at right now. And um, the blue of the ocean, like I just love the sense of space. I love the space, like sense of expansiveness. 
That's an amazing answer. I love blue even more now after hearing you say that. I'm an ocean person too, all the way. A cartoon character that most defines your childhood. I know this is hard. This Jonathan came up with this one. He asked me and I was like, oh my God, it's a hard, it's a hard one. This is so weird, but I would say Doug. Do you remember Doug? On Nickelodeon, I remember my brother and I, when we were goofing around, we put our underwear over our jeans. Do you remember Quail Man? Man. (laughs) With the belt over on the forehead. I loved Doug and I loved Rugrats. And I just, I think of that. Like, I don't think of Looney Tunes or any of that. I watched it with my, my little brother, but Nickelodeon was my jam. So Doug. I'm so glad you said that because my answer when he asked me on the phone like an hour ago was Rugrats and then Doug. So that's really crazy. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question because it also kind of characterizes an era in which someone was young because different different cartoons were different at popular at different times. So Rugrats and Doug, I think I was on the tail end of that because people like my niece who's 13 would have no idea what those are. I know because they were so fun. Tommy Pickles. Oh my God. <laughs> Phil and Lil. Yes. So fun. Um, so along the same lines, but coming into being a teenager, who was your biggest celebrity crush when you were a teen? I don't even have to think about this at all. It's Andrew Keegan from Camp Nowhere. Do you remember Andrew Keegan? So he was the like model boy in 10 Things I Hate About You. And he's the founder of Full Circle Venice. So when, now this is like dorky to the ultimate degree, but I'm dorky, so I'm just going to own it. I bought the Camp Nowhere book because it had photos on the inside. And I would look at those photos of Andrew Keegan all the time. And when I moved to LA, he was one of the first people that I saw here working at Lululemon. He came in to buy a shirt and I was like, oh my God, this is like my celebrity crush from age probably like 12, 13. Just hilarious. So, and I see him, I see him all the time. So funny. Yes. And now I didn't tell him I had a book. I didn't go that far. But now I would totally would have told him that. <laughs> Amazing. See, the run-ins that are meant to happen, they do happen. That's like um, me and Ryan Quantin from True Blood. He practices at Yoga Works. And I saw him there one time. I had kind of just moved to LA. I was in college and... Um, I saw him and I freaked out. He was taking Calvin Corzine's class and I asked him for a picture after class. I couldn't not. I'm that kind of person. I've always been like very bloggery, even when I didn't have a blog, always wanting to capture the moment. And um, he was so nice and he took a picture with me. And then, I mean, ever since then, I mean, I see him in yoga, like so often and he'll always be like, oh, hey, because <laughs> he knew I was that fan that I thought I would only see him once. And then, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. But he's such a nice guy and he has that Australian accent or New Zealand, some kind of wonderful accent. This um, One of my girlfriends was in my yoga class in Venice and there was an actor there. I won't say who it is. Um, but after class, she went up to him and goes, I know you. Where do I know you from? Thinking she knew him from town, ta- like seeing him around town. And he was like, uh, I don't know. So then he leaves and I was like, Allison, he's famous. And she was like, oh my God. 
I'm so horrified. That's so funny. It was funny. so funny. And we've all done it. Yeah, so we've all done it. I, well, it's, I like that he was humble enough to be like, I don't think you know me. Because there's always those people who are like, well, you might know me because I have... Uh, yeah, exactly. So humble always gets points with me, but he was in yoga to begin with. So those are the fun intro questions. I love your answers. So as I kind of mentioned when I was introducing you, we've connected in so many different ways about similarities, which I remember because I remember things kind of like verbatim after they happen. I'm weird like that. So I remember you saying when I posted one time about not really drinking much alcohol, you wrote something like, oh, that's totally me. So I kind of want to hear about that. Like, what's your journey with alcohol? Because I, for anyone listening who doesn't know, I, I do drink, just not often. So when I do, people who know me well are like clapping and they're so excited. And um, other people assume that I just don't drink at all because I just don't. So let's hear I love that you just went right into that. Yeah. Um, we went from Rugrats to, <laughs> to booze. Um, I quit drinking a little over a year ago, a year and a couple months. And I was at a point where I just found that it was contributing nothing good to my lifestyle. Like I felt badly. Um, I found that like almost all... Um, social events were planned around it. Like friends were always, it was always planned around drinking. And I think it was like, I went to school at University of Iowa, which is a big party school. Um, I was a newspaper editor, but I was a bartender as well. Moved to Washington, D.C., which can be like a very party-centric culture as well. And then moved to L.A., which I don't, I don't find it to be. Um, and I think that's partly like dropping into the yoga world. But I found that um, I just, I always felt shitty and I felt low energy. And I can't say I wasn't proud of who I was showing up as. And so I very quietly quit drinking and everyone thought I was on Whole30, which a Whole30 is, I'm sure people have mentioned it before, but 30 days of abstaining from gluten, dairy, sugar, and alcohol. And I'd done it before. And then I'm on whole 60, then I'm on whole 90. And I was like, guys, I just quit drinking. And I don't have, I have a couple of friends who don't drink, but for the most part, everyone still does. And, you know, we've all like toned it down a lot from when we were in our twenties, but it has been probably the best decision I've ever made. Like I feel so good and so clear. And I feel that I'm able to draw in more of what I want with ease. It was definitely an obstacle that I was just always putting in my own way. So it's been interesting as well, like exploring how I feel about that socially. Like I don't lead with like, I haven't found a term that works for me that just, I don't drink, yeah. right? Like I don't drink and, you know, I'll still go out to happy hour with friends or whatever it might be. Or I try to make them comfortable by getting them wine if they come over and I'll just have my little kombucha or my sparkling water. But it's been pretty effortless, to be honest. It's been really great. Yeah, that's so cool. I can totally relate to that. And that's really cool to hear because I don't think there always has to be a label about 
that about whether we drink or don't drink. And it really also goes into the way that people choose to eat. There, there doesn't always have to be a label and some people enjoy having a label and that's totally fine for them. That's cool. I have found through much trial and error that labels for me just don't work as well, even when it comes to alcohol. So definitely food. And with alcohol, it's hard because people want people want a label. Like, so are you sober? Or, well, no, because sober kind of indicates that maybe you had a drinking problem and so you really can't go near alcohol or it would be... It would, it would be relapsing or something like that. And it's more of just a choice. So it's cool that you own your choice and you know what, what the benefits are. So I like that you talked about all the good things that have happened since you kind of stopped drinking. And well, I would say too, and like reading so much of your journey, there's so much stigma around labels or... And I, what I've really found with labels is it makes it comfortable for someone else. Like I know what my choice is and I know what my reasons are. And then I can I can decide whether it's someone that I want to go deeper with on that level or if it's just my choice. You know, Sophie Jaffe had posted something a while back about, oh, you're still explaining yourself? Why? And I loved that because growing up in the Midwest, that I, I there was like a big people pleaser part of me that was always explaining always explaining, trying to make it easier for everyone else. And at 33, I feel pretty strong in like, I'll just own what I'm up to. And if that resonates with other other people, beautiful. If it doesn't, that's fine. Like there's people who are meant for me and people who that are not. And I feel like I can accept that with more ease and grace as I get older. That's so helpful. It's It's such a comforting thing to hear because... <sighs> Yeah. I'm trying to think of, I heard something lately that was very similar to what you said, similar to also what so- what Sophie posted. Um, and I'm trying to think of what it was. It was pretty much just along the lines of exactly that. You don't owe it to anybody to explain yourself. Nobody is inside of your body. Nobody's feeling what you're feeling. So... You can't always just rely on a label to explain yourself or having to explain yourself, but it's hard because you want people to understand. And in my profession and probably yours too, because you have a similar amount of people looking to you for probably health advice. You're a yoga teacher. People really look up to you. And so for me, putting my life out there so publicly as a blogger, podcaster, um, I always feel the need to explain myself because if I'm doing something and I'm sharing it, obviously people ask questions. So I like to provide the answers, but in in a way that can be me like over explaining myself sometimes. And I actually talked to... Sophie about that of all people. Um, and she's a really good advocate of like, do whatever, whatever the hell you want, which I love. So it's cool to hear you say that. I think probably for people listening, you can take a page out of her book, especially younger people listening. Like when I was in college, I had so much trouble with that because I just felt like I always had to explain, well, I have my yoga teacher training, so I can't drink and I can't go to Cabo or whatever, or still did go to Cabo, unfortunately, (laughs) every, every year of spring break. But 
those pictures are just resurfacing now on Facebook telling me what was happening exactly at this time. So they're really funny. Maybe I'll share one in the podcast group for Soul on Fire. Um, Another thing that we connected about um, that I posted more recently was when I was speaking in Santa Barbara and I wrote this whole thing about like being an extroverted introvert. And if I'm not in the mood slash headspace to get up on stage and introduce myself and launch into like a whole entire speech about um, me or my business or entrepreneurship or yoga or anything, it's really hard for me to do. And, And sometimes I'm just not there and it takes me a few minutes and I have to explain again, (laughs) explain to people, um, Hey, (laughs) I know that you're used to me as this very extroverted person. And right now it's going to take me a second to get there. And of course that day, everybody was so welcoming and understanding. Um, and I know that you commented saying that you're the same. So would love to hear some stories slash tips regarding being an extroverted introvert, especially in LA. My gosh. So I absolutely am. And I would say on top of that, I have a fear of public speaking and I speak publicly all the time. So when I did my first yoga teacher training, I did it, I think I was like, I was 23 and I swore up and down to anyone who would listen, there is no way I'm going to teach yoga. I'm here to deepen my practice. I am absolutely terrified of public speaking. Well, with teacher training, you have to teach in front of other people. And it didn't matter if there were five people in the room or 50 or 500. I was scared. And this went on to the point where after my teacher training was over and I was teaching because I, of course, fell madly in love with teaching yoga. One of the women who owned a studio that I loved in DC, Kira, owned Inspired Yoga. And she would ask me to sub at like 6 p.m. And the 6 p.m. class was packed. And I would always agree to sub the like 11 a.m., right? Where everyone has a nine to five. I'd say, oh no, I'm sorry, I can't. I have a doctor's appointment. I have this. She's like, you don't have a doctor's appointment. It's 6 p.m., right? And it took a while. And I made myself wrong for it. Like there was something wrong with me. Why can other people get up there and their heart doesn't beat like crazy or they don't get red and splotchy or forget what they want to say? And it took up until the last, I would say, three or four years for me to get comfortable and own that fear and be able to stand up anyway and teach. So when I first started teaching, I would wear like a white Lululemon zip up and zip it up to my chin because like my chest was so red as I got up there to speak. And as, as I started to teach, it would go away. But always in the beginning, my whole body was just like seizing, like fight or flight. And like they say with anything, the more that you do it, the easier it becomes. And it's true. But the part of that that was always hard for me was I have to do it in the beginning then. Like I have to start it and that's scary. Um, so with Wanderlust Festivals, who I work for, I teach at Wanderlust Hollywood and I travel with the festivals a bit and then Rock Your Bliss. I'm often on stage in front of, you know, anywhere from 50 people to 5,000 people in Chicago. And I'm scared, but I love my fear. Like, I'm like, okay, you care so much that you're nervous. And not only are you nervous, you're like really nervous. But I find it a little more endearing to myself now that 
that fear, now I've kind of shifted it. So that adrenaline is a way to be more alert. Um, it's a way to be more excited. But there are times like when Jackie and I lead retreats, my business partner is super extroverted. So is my husband and a lot of my friends. And Jackie will you know, stay out for two hours later after we're done with something, talking to everyone, socializing. And I often just have to tell everyone, like, I actually need to go back to my room and I need to read my book and I need to put my legs up the wall because that's how I'll be powerful for you tomorrow. But like, I, I can't socialize all the time, nor do I want to. Like, I, I plug back in by having my quiet time and grounding And it's just something now I know about myself and the people who love me know it too. And I can give them the grace of saying, no, go out there and socialize. Like I'll say to my husband, no, go out tonight. It's totally fine. I need a bath. It has nothing to do with you. I just need that. And when we can speak to what we need, I think that a lot of that um, guilt falls away. So I still get nervous. I was even a little nervous coming here, but I kind of love those butterflies. Yeah, I can relate to all of that. And it's really helpful to hear um, because clearly you've found a way to work past it. And that's the only thing we can do in those types of situations. And I can think of like 10 upcoming um, situations slash events slash auditions and things that are coming out for me that are going to give me that type of like heart seizing fear where I too get red and splotchy and we're both really fair skin and the blue eyes. And it's very obvious when I'm really nervous. And uh, that's what I was feeling in Santa Barbara a couple of days ago. And it's like, you never know when it's going to happen and when it's not, because sometimes it doesn't. And I think owning your fear is such a good tip because if you can do that and you can love the fear, that's all. I've I've read books and um, gotten invited. I have a public speaking coach here in LA. He's so cool. Um, pretty much just he's like sort of a therapist. I also have a therapist, but um, he's so cool. And he always says, just be grateful that you care enough to have those nerves. And that's exactly what you just said. I think it's so true. And we're lucky that we do something that makes us so nervous. And now you've been teaching for almost a decade. So probably like exactly a decade from your first teacher training. So do you feel like when you teach, is it just like second nature to you now? No, I mean, there's still, I still get in my own head. You know, sometimes a teacher, another teacher will come to class and I'm like, ah, like I have to say to myself, Mary Beth, stay with you. Like stay, stay in service to the people in the room, not teaching to one person that maybe you would try to impress. You know what I mean? But I love it so much. And I love it so much more now at this point in the journey because I've, I've had so many iterations of who I am, period. And then who I am as a yoga teacher and... I actually feel more so now, and I was thinking about this a couple of days ago, that I don't know the answers in such a clear way. Whereas if you would have asked me a couple of years into my teacher training, I would have been like, this kind of yoga is the right yoga. This kind of yoga is the weird yoga, blah, 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 like little misopinion. And now like, I just think that there's a place for all of it. And there can be so much judgment in our yoga community. And that's something that I really, really, really try to encourage people to step away from and to embrace their practice no matter what it looks like. And 
I have this new class at Wanderlust Hollywood and it's all, it's totally dark and candlelit and it's a flow into a yin class. And I love it. I've wanted it forever and I'd like designed it in my head. And then Skylar, the owner, found space for it on our, our schedule. And like, as I say in the beginning of every class, like this is not the practice right now for like perfection. This is the practice of just like feeling into your body. There are no lights on. Like I can see people, but there's just, I think when you're in the dark too, you can allow for more feeling and allow for like, okay, maybe I won't hold this warrior three in a perfect way. It's kind of weird when I'm, you know, in this candlelit space but to be more curious about how the practice unfolds instead of so um, structured and regimented and judgmental, you know, to yourself and to other people. I want to take that class. Yeah, I need to come. Is it nighttime? Yeah. Yeah, it sounds so amazing. I remember you saying when you taught the class at Jerry's house a couple months ago that you prefer currently more restorative type of yoga for yourself and... I think that's so nice, especially to hear a yoga teacher say, because a lot of yoga teachers are doing all the fancy everything, twists, upside down. And that's not to say that you you probably also do those, but it's nice to know that your practice can change and it is so different for everybody. It's so true. I also, I like want to be relatable because I... I do have a practice where I can be pretty lazy. I do have a practice where I want to be more meditative. I have health stuff I'm working with. And I want people to know that like to be a yogi doesn't mean perfection. Yeah, I think that's probably makes yoga, hopefully to everybody listening, so much more approachable than um, than the yoga that they might be used to seeing on Instagram and um, all over the world. So a lot of people who listen to this podcast and me have had a lot of health issues also. So that might be interesting to hear if you're comfortable talking about some of what you're dealing with and how you've found, if there's any like natural remedies or movement that have helped you. So when I met my husband six years ago, he and I decided to do Whole30 for the the first time. I had never given up anything. At all. And I had zero idea of nutrition. I had had some issues with eating disorders when I was younger. Um, I did some modeling when I was in high school. It was like the worst thing possible for me to do. And totally restricted myself and thought that that was health, right? To eat very little, run a lot. Like I ran all the time, which I hate running. (laughs) If that says anything about my state of mind at the time, no yoga practice. So when I met Matt... He suggested that we do Whole30, our third month of dating. And everyone said, what are you guys doing? You're supposed to be like whining and dining. This is like the fun part of the start of a relationship. Why would you do this? And I can say like, I think we got married. Like we fell in love during that month because we cut out so much. I ate more than I've ever eaten in my life because I didn't know that fat was good for me. I didn't know that like there were different kinds of meats that were, you know, they were raised in different ways. And all of this was new to me. And it made sense for what I was feeling in my body, which I'll get into in a minute. And I had so much energy. We would play outside like anytime we could. We would go hiking, we would go running, we would go to bed at night because we were so tired from playing outside. Like it just felt natural. Like when I was a little kid and like watching Rugrats and, you know, after playing outside all day. And 
I saw a shift. And so I've probably done that that like month-long diet six times since, but it's become so much of my life now. Like I, I eat, so I, I don't drink. I don't eat gluten. I eat maybe a little on occasion if it's like something killer that I'm willing to suffer for. Um, I eat very little dairy. I do like sugar, which is something that I'm, you know, trying to figure out. And then I try to limit caffeine because I'm pretty sensitive to it. And I love the high of caffeine. So I'm on and off of it constantly. But I have ulcerative colitis and it's a disorder of your intestines. It's an autoimmune. And I was diagnosed about five years ago. And it made sense to me because my stomach was always distended. Nothing was ever right for me physically and like nothing was working for me with my digestive system. So I have just found like cutting that and then also major meditation practice, slowing down my practice, being aware of what stresses me out. And it fluctuates. Like I, I, my stomach is not good when I travel and I travel and I, there's things that I just have to tough it out for. And I don't know what the answer is. Um, but I'm open, so open to surrounding myself with people who that's their passion and enrolling people in my life who care about this the way that I care about yoga or coaching and seeking out their expertise. So I'm kind of, I'm in a discovery phase of like what changes still need to be made for me to feel good. And I've also noticed too, I've had a lot of like skin issues. Like my skin was breaking out so badly the last couple of years. And I'm so pissed because I was getting like a little bit of wrinkles and zits at the same time. And I was like, this is unfair. I thought it was like a trade-off. Like, okay, cool. We're done with this. But I found the more that I can dial in my diet and to do things that don't stress me out, to do things that calm me down and just to be happier, like that is reflected in my skin as well. So those are a few of the things that I'm dealing with health-wise. That's helpful to hear. Um, Yeah, I can relate to all the stomach problems, all the skin problems, all, all of that stuff. And it's true. I think the best thing you can do is listen to your body, do the things that work for you. And if you find something that works or when you're doing what you like to do, it's far less stressful. So your body responds to that, I think. <laughs> very, very much in line with things that I that I can totally relate to. Um, I'm also really interested in your background, like the beginning of um, your yoga teaching journey. And I know that you traveled a lot teaching yoga to professional cyclists, which is amazing. I kind of want to hear about that. So I went to my first yoga class, I think I was 18 um, when I lived in Iowa City and was in college and it didn't stick and it didn't stick for a few more times. I moved to Washington, D.C. I was an online editor for National Geographic Traveler. So I was in journalism, in the journalism world, had gotten an internship there, had completed the internship, didn't love it but they offered me a job. And when you go to journalism school, you can't really tell your parents. I turned down a job at National Geographic because I want to do a fifth year in college. <laughs> right? I was like so looking forward to like creative writing classes yeah. and just taking my time to figure it out. But that got me to DC and I started practicing in DC and felt like so in love with yoga. I would go twice a day. Um, I went on 
my first yoga retreat, which was to Jamaica. And like, so randomly, one of my girlfriends here um, was my roommate. And that's how I met her. Yeah. And she lived in Venice. And so I ended up moving there eventually. And I, the more yoga I did, the more I realized that I am not meant to be at a desk. I got very depressed, very, very depressed. All of my old stuff was coming up, like eating disorder and um, just anxiety. I I felt awful. And so I started a two-year countdown on my calendar of when I could quit at this job. I said, I'll give it two years. I feel like I owe them that. And it was like a pe- the people-pleasing part of me, right? Like, I'll do this. This is my duty. And I quit pretty much on the day and started working for part-time for Lululemon and teaching. And eventually I worked more at Lululemon and moved to LA, which is where everything happened for me. I met Allie Hamilton, who's the owner of Yogi's Anonymous. And I met her because we were organizing her opening party for Yogi's Anonymous. And she said, hey, I want you to teach here. And I was so scared. I had sworn up and down I would not teach in LA because... I mean, God, the teacher you have to be to teach in LA. I had all this these stories in my head, terrified. And eventually I, I gave in and thank God. And she she really mentored me. And I, I would say like, you know, it was a couple years of, you know, two people coming to my class, me looking at other people's websites all the time, comparing myself to everyone else. I'm so glad Instagram wasn't around. <laughs> I would have been in major, major shit. But... I I stuck with it. And Lululemon made me an ambassador and flew me to Portugal and Switzerland to teach both the women's cycling team with Specialized and then the men's mountain biking team. And from there, I was after Matt and I got married, Jackie and I decided to start Rock Your Bliss. And with Rock Your Bliss, we've traveled all over the place, leading retreats and workshops. Um, I've traveled with Wanderlust Festivals, And honestly, like, it's so funny to me that I was at a travel magazine going nowhere, literally, literally and figuratively, and created a job where now I travel and have to say like, hey, I want to be home. Like, I'm going to actually schedule time to be home because I love LA and I love what I have here and I love my students. I love my friends. And that feels like a really amazing thing. And I'm so grateful for it. So I'm really grateful to younger me for leaving the job and for toughing it out because I was terrified to leave that job. And I was, I didn't feel a lot of support from people. People thought I was making a terrible decision. And so I really had to just trust my gut on it. And yeah, super grateful I did. That seems like a theme with a lot of the people who have been on my podcast slash anyone who's really found their purpose, calling in life. That it takes leaving something else usually depending on when when you start finding what you really love but it's always a scary leap to take that i mean there's still a lot of um just kind of pressure to do what you studied in school or to stick it out especially at a huge time magazine like national geographic that's like considered such a dream job and i can only imagine your thoughts when you were feeling like you wanted to go teach yoga instead of work at national geographic and um it's still, I mean, even in LA in 2017, it's still people would be like, what? No, maybe you should just teach yoga on the side. And 
you got to follow your heart and do what you love. And it's scary. And um, of course, people have to make decisions when the time is right for them and set themselves up to make that leap. But going off of you and off of all of the other people I've had on the podcast who've told similar stories, I think it's so doable. You just, you have to know that you really can do what you love. You can make a career out of it. You can make it work. You were working at Lululemon and the right things fall into your lap when they're meant to. And that's so cool about the owner of Yogi's Anonymous asking you to teach there. And that's not even really what you were seeking out to do, but somehow she must have known that this was your path. So that was the first studio where you taught in LA. And then you did your 300 hour at Yoga Works or was it another way? Yeah. So I... Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? I, I did, but I signed up for my 300 hour as like my exit from Lululemon. So, cause I'd moved out here to fill a maternity leave and Lululemon is a great company. I loved working for them, but I knew if I didn't stop, I was going to keep working for Lululemon because I would get promoted and had, you know, great experiences. I don't know that I would run the businesses I do if I hadn't had that experience because I learned so much. Um, hard and and wonderful things. But so I, I use that as kind of my exit. Like I'm doing my teacher training and I'm going to teach a little bit and figure it out. And I, Jordan, remember counting dollar bills, like $1 bills to pay my rent. Like I had a donation class and people do not donate what they're saying they're going to. And I often paid to teach in the beginning. And in retrospect, that was kind of crazy, but I knew that I loved it. And I had the commitment to work hard. Like I, the way that this doesn't work is if you quit your job and think it's just going to come to you. I think that it ha- you have to be committed to it and to know that there will be times that you will doubt yourself like no other. And there will be times where something exciting will happen. But once you commit enough to the path, I think the path carries you with more ease but that commitment is totally necessary. It does take dedication. And that's a good point because I think there's this whole, I mean, I'm so of the mentality to encourage people to follow their heart and do what they love and find their purpose. But it also takes a lot of hard work and dedication. And I think that's the part that sometimes is a little bit lost in translation when, um, when, people think about just, oh, I'll do what I love and just dive into it. And I mean, that's awesome. That's the first step, but you have to be patient and put so much work and dedication. And it's when you have your own business or when you are becoming a yoga teacher and making a business out of that, it is kind of a 24 hour, seven day a week thing, but it's fun. I mean, if you like what you're doing, then it is fun. And now you've created so much based off of all of that. And you also coach other people toward doing exactly that. You're such a testament to that. Like you've already created so many things and you've worked so hard at it. And that's like what I was just saying to you before we started recording this, like just watching your Insta stories, I'm like, oh my God, she is so busy. But that, you know, just once again, like that it doesn't just happen. Like that, that commitment over and over again. But then also meeting that commitment with self-care, like knowing when to say, I'm good. Like I need, I need a minute. Yeah. I need 24 hours and then I'll be back. But 
Yeah, definitely. For those of us who recharge alone in our own space, I love that you said that you schedule time to be home and in LA because it can be hard to do that when a lot of your business is based off of travel and leading retreats and speaking engagements and wanderlust and all of that. It can be very easy to say yes, 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 yes to everything. And one way that I've found to say yes to a little bit less is um, I have my assistant Christina on my schedule and um, doing a lot of my emails. And sometimes she'll be like, "Uh, you triple booked yourself on Monday. And every single time it blows my mind, I'm like, no way. Wait, really? No way. I can do the podcast interview and then I can drive to the meditation event, but then I can be back in Brentwood for... um, my class and then I can go to therapy and then I have that dinner. And she's like, that sounds like hell. And yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and then I just set myself up for, well, that's no self-care. That's no time to exercise, which to me, I have to, even if it's um, a short restorative yoga practice at home, I have to get some movement in. So that's like knocking out my time to exercise, knocking out my time to work on things that are really important to me, like my book proposal, which if there's not a deadline, it's just like, I'll just shove it off and um, spending time with people that I love and all of that. So I'm trying really hard to work on, to work on taking time. I'm pretty good at um, self-care. I mean, massages, every single type of self-care technique one could be into, I'm into. I love all of it. So that's not the problem, but it's more just like taking time to myself to actually have a few nights a week to be home and read a book. And um, that's what makes me the happiest. That will stick with me longer than a massage per se. I mean, maybe not, maybe not a really good massage, but it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And like tonight, for example, I have this, I have the other podcast after this, and then I have an appointment and then I have nothing from 5 p.m. on and my whole entire being like wants to schedule something like, oh, but I could see one of my best friends, they, they, something. Um, I could do this. I could do that. I could go to yoga. I could get a massage. Oh, I could anything. And I'm just not going to let myself because um, how much more fun does it sound to just come back here and I can do whatever I want. I can just read, make dinner. It'll be heaven. Yeah, it's so good. So I'm trying. You're inspiring me. So you recently moved, not that recently, but recently-ish, six months ago, you moved to Silver Lake. And I'm curious because um, some people who know me really well know that I have this like obsession with Silver Lake and I have a whole idea about how wonderful it is and it's so neighborhoody and up and coming and there's all these cute yoga studios and coffee places and it's artsy and everybody's really nice and um, then over here in West Los Angeles, Brentwood where I live slash Santa Monica, Venice, a lot of those qualities are true too but it's really fast paced in other ways and it's kind of a lot of the stereotypes of Los Angeles exist here and it can be really difficult and annoying. So what do you think about Silver Lake versus you used to live in Venice? Yeah. Oh boy. God, I love the questions that you ask. I've So when I moved to California, I was like, I can't stop short of the beach. Like I'm moving to Santa Monica and I lived in Santa Monica for 
until I met my husband and we moved in together. And then we moved to Venice, which those of you who don't live in LA, Santa Monica and Venice are right next door to each other. And they're both on the ocean. You know, our run there was great. I loved it. It started to change a lot. It got very, very, very expensive, like way more expensive than it was. A lot of tech companies had moved in and all of our friends left and moved east. So our like best friends, well, Jackie and Chris moved to Colorado and then our other friends bought a house in Silver Lake. And literally almost all of our friends live in a three mile radius of our new house in Silver Lake. So Matt and I were paying a lot for our house. We rent, we rent as a lot of people do in LA. And we started to look on the West side and it was just not happening. Like we're looking at these different apartment buildings. We're looking at houses and we, our friends who live in Silver Lake and bought that house were like, Hey guys, there's a house right across the street that's opening up. You should come check it out. They sent us a photo of it. I was like, nah, not interested. So a week later, we drive to Silver Lake to go see them and their their baby named Bowie. And we're sitting there on the couch and I go, oh, that's the house, huh? Yeah. You want to go look at it? Okay. So I'm... I would say I kind of have like a control freak nature, like when I'm not at my best. Yeah. And I'm a Virgo. So I'm very like into order and I'm into things going a certain way, which is not really the way life works. And we walk into this place and we get a tour of it. And it's kind of a mess. It's a bit run down, but I saw so much potential. And I looked at Matt and it was so weird. We just looked at each other and we're like, should we do it? And we did. And now we live across the street. Like our living room window looks into our best friend's living room window. All of our other friends are right there. Silver Lake is magical. It is, I say it's enchanted. Like there, so picture like hills of like just beautiful trees and foliage. And then these super quirky houses. Like our house is kind of like a tree house. You'll have to come over and see it. And I have this amazing yoga room that's just for yoga practice. And it's all windows right off the front of the house. It's on the second story. And it looks out at the hills and it's insane. And I've just found like, it really fits over there. Like it feel, I feel grounded there. I feel inspired. I love people watching over there. Like people, the way people dress, the way they, they show up, it just feels like people really are their true selves. And my time just ran out on the beach. Like I still love to go and I have a lot of people I love over here, but it just was time to make a shift. I'm so glad we did. And like, this was such a random occurrence. Like this place wasn't even up for rent. Like we just, they handed it over to us. So once again, universe providing. Mm -hmm. That's when you know it's really meant, really meant to be. The universe wanted you to live in that house. Oh, you're making Silver Lake sound so appealing. I, I've, I love West LA. I've lived in Brentwood ever since I moved back from New York. And before that, I lived in Marina Del Rey, basically where I went to college at LMU. And um, so I really lived in Westchester. But (laughs) Marina Del Rey was where I spent my time. I always say I love Brentwood so much as far as Los Angeles goes. I don't think I could live in any other neighborhood because I just love Brentwood. I can walk to so many different things that I do. Um, But 
I don't know. I'm starting to feel this like really deep inner desire, just very deep. It'll take a while to come to the surface to try something different. Um, and at Silver Lake, just like really calling my name. It's weird because I hadn't ever spent like any time there pretty much. But um, when I ran the LA Marathon last year... I don't know why, but like, well, I knew we were going to run through Silver Lake and I knew that I had was so enchanted by the idea of Silver Lake. So when we were approaching and on approach, and I don't know like any of those neighborhoods over there, and now I do a little bit better. Um, I kept saying to Jonathan, who was pacing me through the marathon, are we, is this Silver Lake? And he kept saying, no. And I kept being like, well, is this Silver Lake? No. Well, this must be so. No, this is not Silver Lake. And then finally, when we got into Silver Lake, I was like, this is so cute. I love Silver Lake. And we laughed about it forever because it was like, what was my obsession with approaching into Silver, Silver Lake? I think I also just wanted to be closer and closer to finishing the marathon, uh, which Silver Lake was only like mile seven or something. Um, yeah. But um, ever since then, I've spent a little bit of time there. I've gone to... Have you been to the Raven yes. Yoga Studio? Oh my God. I'll take you on a Silver Lake Yeah, date. let's go on a Silver Lake date. Coffee shops, like restaurants, Echo Park Lake is where I take a blanket and lay out there and read like once a week. It's amazing. Did you ever see 500 Days of Summer? So that is like downtown LA and Silver Lake. What does it mean that he paced you? Does that mean he ran it with you? Yeah, he ran it at my pace, um, but kind of like kept my pace because he's much more of a runner and this was my first marathon. So um, yeah, he he paced me by like, I think my pace for that marathon was like, we were trying to keep it around like 10 and a half minutes per mile, maybe 11 minutes per mile. Um, and so he kept that pace the whole time. And he, because he, he could have run it doubly as fast, but um, yeah, we ran together and it was the coolest experience. I'll do another one one day when I'm out of my um, really low intensity workout preference area of life, because I really like that right now. I did do personal training this morning and like my whole body is like shaking because I was using muscles that have not been used in months, but it felt good. So a couple more questions for you before we finish up. Um, do you have any favorite wellness hacks? So something I talk a lot about on my blog and this podcast are I'm a big like wellness hack person. So I'm very into collagen and bulletproof coffee and going in and out of ketosis and all of these like hacks to feel good, especially because I, I have also had so many stomach problems, kind of like you were talking about. So if I can find something that works, then I get really into it. Um, I can think of one wellness hack that I know that, that you like because you gave me that. What is it? It's like a... You can explain. Mushroom coffee. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. So did you? Yeah. Oh, they will be so happy. Yeah. All right. So I am so obsessed with this company that it seems like I am like repped by them or something, but I am not. I just love it. It's called mushroom coffee. And I think it's because I I like coffee. Like I like the taste of coffee. It doesn't really, it doesn't taste like coffee, but in a perfect way. And, but I needed something that wasn't as highly caffeinated. And so it's a combination of mushrooms and then real coffee. So there's 45 milligrams of caffeine, which is essentially like 
a chai tea bag, which is nothing really compared to what I was consuming. <laughs> yeah, cold brew. Oh my God. I would go into like shock, I think. Yeah. You're you're relatively calm for having cold brew. Yeah. So <laughs> but I, I mix that with hot water and coconut milk and I put cinnamon on the top and I start every day like that. And then two things I'm loving is introducing magnesium into my life in a big way. So I used to take it all the time and then I stopped. And my husband gave me two capsules to take probably a week ago at bedtime. And I woke, I had the best sleep ever. My stomach felt like a little bit better and I woke up and in the morning I have this like anxious feeling a lot of the time of like, okay, I have so much to do. I'm going to get on my email, but should I meditate or should I go to yoga? Especially if I have a free morning, my mind drives me insane of kind of like what you're talking about tonight. You have a free night of all the things I should be doing. And it actually usually moves me into inaction (laughs) because I'm like, well, now I don't want to do anything. It's awful. And I have found this is like totally gotten rid of my anxiety. Like I wake up feeling so relaxed. And so I read up on it and it's a, it's a side, it's a part of why people take magnesium is it reduces anxiety. So that has thrilled me to no end. Mm, No, but I'll send you a photo and you could put it in the notes or whatever. And then I take this other thing called astaxanthin, which has helped with my skin a ton. And it's actually what makes shrimp pink. And for whatever reason, um, my husband had read about it. And then I got these Cara vitamins. Like they did like a little personalized packet for me. And I started taking this and my skin cleared up so much that I'm like hardly wearing any makeup anymore, which feels really good on my face. Yeah. So those few things, I don't know if those are really hacks, but, and the last thing too, is that I try to keep my phone out of my bedroom. So I'll keep it. I plug it in, in our bathroom or downstairs so that when my alarm goes off, I have to get up and that I won't be scrolling through Instagram at bedtime because I just find that to be so depressing. So depressing. And I love reading and I'm like, why am I looking at what you ate for dinner or your baby? Mm -hmm. I don't even know you that well. (laughs) I know. I do that. I will be deep in stalking someone's like friend of a friend of a friend. And then I'm like, this is why I never read books anymore. It's crazy. Those are amazing tips. I definitely want you to send um, both because I'll put them in the show notes and I want to take the skin thing. I think that sounds really cool. Thank you. I had some skin struggles up until recently. So I, yeah, I, yeah, I found a lot of stuff that really works for me, thankfully, and a really great facialist. Um, Anybody listening, a lot of people have asked for my facialist info. You can keep asking me because I'll keep giving it out because she's amazing. She works in Santa Monica. Um, What was I going to say about one of those things? Well, magnesium, for sure. I started taking Mag 07. It's like an oxygenated magnesium and uh, it's kind of intense. Like for people who have digestion problems. I mean, it's over the counter. Anyone can buy it, but it works really well. (laughs) Yeah. I'll show you the bottle. It's really cool. That was a recommendation by Kelly Levesque, who is my nutritionist slash friend who's been on two of these. Um, Yeah. She was like, you need this in your life and it's been life-changing. Yeah. I like the mushroom coffee and I'm I'm moving into this phase. I think I told you this at Erewhon where I get, um, I'll be like really so into caffeine that I have to just sh- like 
go off of it because I have to show myself that I'm not dependent like an alcoholic with alcohol. Like that's how I am about coffee. It's so crazy. I didn't even drink coffee until I was like 23. So I can't believe all of this has transpired in three years, but I've just, I just love it. So I'm coming into another phase where I would like to not go off of it because I have learned that I really there are things I love about the ritual and the taste and I don't want to deprive myself of like everything I love. But if I could find something that has less caffeine that tastes good and I really like that and I really love all the healing benefits of medicinal mushrooms, like so much. I've been reading up on them or actually listening to a podcast, another guy's podcast. His name's Luke Story. He He's going to be on this podcast soon. He talks a lot about um, those and... It's just crazy, all the adaptogens and yeah, good for your stomach. Yes. Yes. Oh, I know the other thing I was going to say. So you said you wake up feeling anxious a lot of the time, um, which sounds to me, if you're if you're like me and this is correct, you might have high cortisol a little bit, which would be another reason why it would be good to be off of caffeine because... Um, I got these blood panels done like a year ago. I'm getting some new ones done coming up here that showed that my cortisol upon waking up was like off the charts, which basically means that you're waking up with like a panic attack, which I think was just because I was like, I just had a lot to do and was trying to think what what should I do first? And um, it's interesting. So if anybody else listening can relate, you might want to get your cortisol levels checked out because it could be just manageable like yours sounds like, or it could be really bad like mine was, which was causing skin problems and everything else too. So just interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Functional medicine doctor is a place to start if you wanted to get the blood tests. Um, So the last question I have for you, because you're kind of what I would call a serial entrepreneur. You do a lot of things. Um, Do you have a favorite of everything that you do? Yes, I would. So Rock Your Bliss is my favorite thing. It is my favorite thing. I can just say it as simply as that. This year, especially my business partner and I, and she's my best friend as well, have committed like wholeheartedly to our business. So it's a yoga and self-development business. And we started with just one yoga retreat in Mexico and now have an online course called Seven Weeks to Bliss and workshops and retreats as well. And we both like had one foot in, but we weren't fully in because I think you know, there's the identity piece of like, well, then am I just rock your bliss? Like, what about Mary Beth who just teaches at Wanderlust? Or what about Jackie who coaches goals? You know, how do we bring those pieces together and be in collaboration? Um, And also financially, like when you're in a business, you split things, you know, down the middle and there's so many things to take care of. And so we had this amazing conversation it was so great. It's kind of like when you're dating someone and you're like, so are we like doing this? Are we, are, are we going to be boyfriend, girlfriend? And Jackie and I were already so committed to each other, but there was this feeling of like, let's go all in with Rock Your Bliss. And we have, and like, we have so many more things that we're launching. We have a podcast that we'll love to have Jordan on, um, that we just started recording yesterday and will launch in May. And it just feels really good. And I grew up in a small town in Iowa and I was scared of other women for a long time because I went to school with the same girls, you know, forever. And girls can be so mean to each other. And I would say I started to heal that a bit in college and in DC. But as a, you know, 
almost mid-30s. That's weird. Mid-30s. Um, my female relationships are like the most important thing to me in the world. So to be in collaboration with another woman where you have to speak like so honestly and so um, like compassionately, you know, and really speak to the truth of the matter has been transformational for me. So I would say rock your bliss. That's so cool. I really didn't know what your answer was going to be. So I was really excited to hear it. And then one more thing. I'm going to ask an an additional question because this is something we were talking about before we started recording. And I just liked hearing the story of how you and your husband met because I just love hearing when things are completely right. And it just sounds like you guys are so completely right. And he's the kind of guy that I think a lot of single people listening would, you know, like should be looking for that type of guy. Not should be, but like, yes, everyone should be looking for someone nice. So let's hear it. Well, everyone deserves a good partner. That is for sure. And wow, I've never like told, I've only told this story to people like one-on-one. So um, I moved from DC to LA and I was madly in love with my boyfriend at the time. And he was working in LA. So I decided to, you know, work with Lululemon and come as well. And we didn't move in together. And we went to this Lululemon CrossFit event. And my now husband was there with his girlfriend at the time. And have there was this um, competition, which I was like so awkwardly participating in. I can't even fathom, you guys, of what this looked like. And my husband is 6'4", tattoos, beard, so handsome. God, I adore him. And I just instantly was like, who is that? Right? Like nothing at the time, just noticed him. And a year later, I'd had a terrible breakup. He had broken up with his girlfriend. And these three girls from Lululemon, I didn't go into this this deeply, sent me a Facebook message. And they're like, hey, Mary Beth, we have this guy, Matt Aporta. And they laid out like his credentials. Like oh he went God. to culinary school. You know, he's he's works for this company. He does this, he does that. He's handsome. And I was like, guys, I've totally looked him up on Facebook already, right? Like I'd already knew who he was. And um, yeah, we started dating and we moved in together after five months and we're married two years later. You know, we were married, engaged at a year and he has changed my whole life. Like I have never experienced a relationship like the one I have with Matt. And I think it's a roomy quote where they say that your soulmate is the one who tips you over and shakes all your nonsense out. And my husband is from New Jersey. He is a no-nonsense kind of dude. We are so different. And he grounds me and supports me in a way that I could never even have imagined was possible. And we have had some rough times, you guys. I am not saying that this has been a perfect relationship, but we have learned and we have grown immensely. And I can say now after being together for six years, I'm way more in love with him than I ever thought. And it's pretty It's pretty awesome. It's cool to see how a relationship can shift and what's possible when you walk the path together. So amazing. I know. I love it. I just, I love that story because it's true. Everyone deserves their wonderful partner in life. And it's always inspiring to hear other people's stories, how they met, what, what they've kind of been through, learned about each other, all of it. It could be a whole podcast in itself. Maybe we'll do one of those soon, but Thank you so much for being here. This was such a fun conversation. I know that everybody listening 
got to learn so much about you as a person, which is what I love to share with people, just really like two people in conversation, but also so much about taking the leap into doing something that you love, teaching yoga, having a coaching business, um, living in Silver Lake. (laughs) They got to learn so much. So tell everyone where they can find you. Well, thank you so much for having me on. You're so grounded and down to earth and amazing. So it's a pleasure. Um, You can find me, I would say... Instagram is just Mary Beth LaRue, L-A-R-U-E for the last name. And then rockyourblissmovement.com and marybethlarue.com. And then you can find me from there. I'd love to hear from you. Yes, you guys should definitely say hi to her. She's amazing. Check out her retreats. People are always asking me good retreats to go on. Do you have any in California? Yeah. Okay, she does. So you guys go check out her site in Colorado because someone this morning just asked me for California. And I was thinking, I should know this, but I I know more about like tropical retreats for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely check out her stuff. Anyone who's interested in retreats, she's awesome. And thanks for listening, guys. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.